Contestant club, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and politics on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best It's Contrast Uncut, Season 3, Episode 11. Man, big shout-outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. Man, it's your host, DJ Wine Dollars Like I Won Some Money, a.k.a. Zylo. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a very talented special guest, one of the pioneers, one of them history makers. I'm talking about producer, world-class DJ. I mean, he's worked with some of the greatest of our time. From Dr. Dre to, to Snoop to Ice-T to The Firm to Nas to AZ and Boogie I mean, the list goes on and on. And I got the honor right now of rocking with DJ Chris the Glove, brother. What's happening? Man, dude, thank you so much for that. I was listening to you and going, yeah, yeah. Damn, I did. That's That sounded like a fun life, what you just said, bro. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, my nigga. <laughs> I'm going to throw them niggas out there, too, by the way. I hope no one's offended. Oh, uh, no, it's all love, man. It's yeah. all love. Yes, sir. However it's processed, it's coming from a point of love at the end of the day, whether it come out a little strong or it come out a little right. You know, sometimes people just got to deal with it. And, you know, people make decisions and choices that we live with daily. Man, say that again. You know what I mean? Real talk. Yeah, bro. Let me go ahead, bro. I got a quote. You know, let me know how the quote relates to you, or if it doesn't, it's all good. It's contrast uncut. I try to keep focus on things that really make me happy and just do those same things. John Singleton. I like John. Uh, I like that quote, man. Um, you know what? I think I do try to stay focused and do things that make me happy. I, I really like the fact that happiness to me like you said in the beginning time happiness to me is is something that's major and paramount i can't get this going but uh yes i i i think i do the same thing i spend my time trying to find happiness and do those things that make me happy absolutely that's why i love being this quarantine time allows me to be with my wife and one of my daughters like you know when you work and you do your things you can't wait to get home to be there with them. Facts. And it's like, it's really like a trip. Like all the shit we do, all the greatness you just said, and you just want to go keep, grab your kid and play fucking roll the ball against the wall. Right. And they loving it. Look at the ball, daddy. And that, you are the greatest, you know, leader of the earth, bro. And the dude on the ball rolling against the wall is it. Yeah, facts. You know, I learned this at a at like maybe six years ago. My son's six, and some OG sat me down. And was like, kids spell love T I M E, and you know, oh. make sure you spend that time with them no matter what. And boy, my son got that. I'm in the room every day now because of quarantine. And he pressured me. He not. He don't care who I'm speaking to. He'll bust down the door, Daddy. I need your time. I'm like, come on, son. I'm working. You know, he hit me with. It doesn't matter, bubblehead, and then walk. <laughs> And he's five. He's already got it. I love that. But you know what he's saying? That's what my mom used to say every time. 
Every time he busts that door down, you already know. He's saying, Daddy, I love you. He None of that other stuff. That's what he's saying. I love that. He say, Daddy, I love you. When they say, you remember when kids say, Daddy, look. Daddy, look. Daddy, look. You know that. That means, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. You're the most important thing. I want you to see this. You're my... Dude, and every time... That's why that smile is on your face. See, you learned that you got a kid. Yeah. You know what? That's I'm, all it is, man. Because I have this thing where I get my flowers, you know, the roses to the dedicated fathers that are out there in the industry. Because a lot of people don't understand it's hard trying to be a father and live your dreams and succeed at what you have goals. Because <laughs> it's only plan A. And, you know, the kids are all also a part of plan A, but you got to work it in some kind of way. And it's not easy. So dedicated dad, I salute you, man. Oh, man, I appreciate that, bro. I salute you back. But I don't know if I push you to right or left. I always fuck that up. <laughs> I'm going to leave my military dudes out there and be like, you. But uh, to any fathers out there, I don't care what you're really doing. If you're a father, somebody loves you like a father or they want to love you like a father. And sometimes just walking in a straight line, even though you can't pay child support, helps that child to say, well, you know, they may take them a long time to come to terms with them, but they're going to be like, you know, my dad, help guide me here even though he did that just be a dad whatever you can do man just be a dad now, like he said time a phone call something my daughter my other daughter's upset with me because i don't i'm gonna start doing that i'm gonna take what you told me and utilize that in my family with my daughter hey that's powerful man that's powerful i say knowledge is power but when you use that knowledge it's a superpower and right now yeah that's good power going right now yeah knowledge is power Wisdom is knowledge applied. Okay. Gems. Power. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's somebody else's though. <laughs> oh, but you know what? It don't matter where it come out, I've learned, as long as the words get out. Because, you know, a lot yeah. of people skip over the Bible. A lot of people skip over the OGs talking on the corner. And when, when they have the opportunity to hear them, they just walk by. So, yeah. Right now, it, we at a time that any knowledge we can shed out, any gem we can pull out is a diamond in the rough, and it's going to shine because it's going to relate. Man, you know, some of them diamonds in the rough, they don't want them polished. They look better like that. Uh, you know, I ain't going to fix my teeth, but I may put some diamonds on me later. Hey, same here, man. I got... <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> hey, look, let me tell you. That, that happened when I was eight years old. I've been dealing with these broken teeth, right? We They'd have been fixed so many times. It's like the last time they broke, it was like, okay, I'm through with that. They're going to have to love me as I am. I got a wife and everything with these teeth. <laughs> real talk, real talk. So you know what? It's going to segue me to my segment because I got to ask you, we talking about music. Did the game choose you or did you choose the game? Okay, well, this is what I'm going to tell you in response to that. A quick story about how I became the glove. I was a DJ in L.A., just burning up L.A. house parties and stuff, you know, on my own through friends because there's no DJ. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Community. There's nothing. It's just a few guys playing records here and there that are doing what we're doing. The other guys are disco DJs in the clubs. They don't do what we do. So as we're burning this stuff and, and growing, I uh, find out uh, I can't pay for the equipment. So I start working for a company that has, uh, you know, the gear. So I, I get uh, free gear. So I'm going to deliver some company to this spot. It's a club called Radio. And they said, hey, 
we hear you're a DJ. I'm like, yeah, I'm the dopest DJ you know, motherfuckers. And they was like, but I'm in a hurry. I got to go. They're like, well, what's your DJ name? Slow down. I'm like, DJ Chris. I mean, you know, they was like. They shook their head. Huh? You come back tonight, we'll have a name for you. When I went back, there was the glove, 11 p.m. They said, you play at 11. I saw the song. It was a marquee with lights, the glove, 11 p.m. I said, I guess that's me. I started DJing, right? So I asked you, did I choose hip hop or did hip hop already have a space for me selected with a name? Yeah, I think that space was already his destiny. All you had to do was show up and, and the gift was there. On time. That was the one time I was on time. It could have been another nigga that was the glove that was running late. Like, damn, I can't make it. And I walked in and said, the glove? I guess that's me. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. You imagine if you was like, nah, I'm not feeling that. I'm not doing the glove. Oh, man, what a dumbass I would have been. <laughs> there's never been another glove DJ. Like, that's a significant th I mean, there's some guys now that are, you know, the glove or something. Now... I was the glove. Okay, so Michael Jackson used to come to radio. People, this is the part. So this is what I was telling another gentleman earlier. The reason that guys like me and Ice-T had this kind of a bigger-than-life personality to ourselves at 20 and 21 and whatever then was because Prince and Michael Jackson come to our club to watch us. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can kiss my ass. I got Sting down there. Oh, look who's here tonight, Madonna. Oh, look over there. Look, look, oh, this what we perform for. Who's in the crowd? Oh, man. And then you never knew the record company. You know it's 10 record company people. So we was always putting on a show. For those people, it's like being an influencer these days. So let me ask you this. What was your confirmation moment that, you know, not only was DJing for you, but, you know, production, getting yourself to, to sample and make them into more of something? Because you come from that era where, where it wasn't easy to make beats. You know, it took five, six hours. Shit, five, six hours to get the fucking right thing. There was no such thing as MIDI. There was no such thing as sampling. There was no, nothing recorded your vocal except for the tape. Unless you got put in a delay. So we got these, uh, MXR delay had a button on it. You could trigger it. That's why you hear like, in the beginning of the rap records, you hear like, because the whole thing was that you could make it go. That was the dopeness. That's why you probably be like, that's corny, but you couldn't do that. <laughs> we were like, that was high tech. Right. Taking somebody's voice and making it stutter before they said what they were going to say. Because mm. you're about to say, don't believe the hype. Don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, don't believe the hype. Dude, you know how much that costs? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the studio it was a whole other thing. So, yeah, in the creation of music, so it was dope because as a producer, I'm a DJ, first and foremost. Then I got put in the studio to make music. Now, I'm also an organist and piano player by training. So I learned how to play the organ when I was 12 years old. My mom shows me in organ lessons. I learned from a guy who got a gold record playing. He was like the organ version of Billy Preston. Billy Preston played the piano. Do you go around in circles? This cat name was Tucson McCall, and he had a hit record and a gold record from the organ. So he taught me how to play. So from that's why I say this is more than just me. 
it's all kind of destiny gilding golden moments around like why did i learn how to play the fucking organ from tucson mccall only the greatest organist ever in you know urbanness you know what i mean like making records but see was like, that manifestation or is that more of just you know it just continued the road kept on opening it up for you and this is what was there for you he created that moment for me when i walked into his organ studio and the dude was playing uh he had a platinum uh, gold record on the wall. That was the first time I saw one. And he had that gold record. I said, you got that from playing this? I was all in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finna get down on this, motherfucker. So that, coupled with the DJing thing, helped me as a early on producer. But the first thing I did musically, besides the breaking, uh, we did those breaking and entering things. The first thing that I did by myself was the music for breaking. And Reckless, it became, one of the scenes I scored became Reckless. They called me back and said, that music you did for, so back it up. They're shooting scenes in the club. We got to uh, get Africa Bambata or somebody to get this music for us. And I'm standing on the side with my girlfriend at the time. She's like, you better tell them, fuck Africa Bambata, whatever the hell he said. You the one in this club, you need to do the music. So I went and told him that with the boldness that I had for you, but it was all fake because I was scared shitless telling them dudes that I had something I'd never done before. I was like, yeah, man, I make this shit all the time. This is me. Look, look. Oh, yeah, you the guy. They paid me 25000 for each scene in 1984. So I did that shit. Then they called at the last minute. Like the, rec the movie came out May 4th. The record came out April something. They called us April something. And was like, can you make a rap record out of that? One of the scenes, they didn't even care. So I had Reckless in the Bed and Jam. So I was like, yeah. So we took that one. Reckless, I called Ice T. Hey, can you do a rap to this? Yeah, I'll give you 1500 bucks. Okay, cool. Damn. Reckless. Wow. So yeah, it gave me the gall to do that. I didn't know what the fuck. I had to find a studio. I didn't know. I knew how to play the old keyboard. <laughs> but I didn't know that board over there and all them sampling and instruments there was no sampling we we grew up into that and helped create it and all that because of our moving through using digital delays and shit so yeah it was let's just say uh a lot harder to do what we were doing back then <laughs> you said five or six hours to make a beat that's hilarious it would take weeks Kristen, speaking of nostalgia you know congratulations it is the anniversary of breaking this month you know, thank like, you. Many years ago, thirty six. Yeah, club radio trying yeah. DJ we got right now. To, to yes. Contribution you did to that movie, and I wanted to ask you, you know, what was like the the vibe being West Coast on the heels of hip hop, like how East Coast was? Because I feel like you know when you guys when when cats like Ice Tu came out. Y'all put a different spin on what was going on in the East Coast when it came down to hip hop. You know, we forget Breaking was, you know, portrayed in LA, the whole movie. Yeah. Surprise. We got hip hop here. <laughs> right? And we told the world we had hip hop here before you guys got it. Because Breaking came out before Beach Street. And that's the only reason it won. Yeah. Yeah, it would have just been all oh, them niggas is corny over there. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, it's funny because as corny as we were with our dress and our whatever, it was, I swear, 
when you walk in that club, the first scene of breaking, when they show the club and the people and the DJ and the walls and the graffiti, that shit was just like, I saw the get down and they showed that shit. It was like they took it from breaking. I swear, it felt like New York was in LA. When you go in radio, because we know niggas like me know where hip hop came from. We know we didn't do it. We know that we did what we do, but we know that that shit bugged. I caught the bug. I didn't create the bug. I was like, that's dope. That's me. That's what I'm doing. And so then we started doing it. In LA, just happened to be one of the first people doing it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the fabric of the pioneering creation of hip hop. I am hip hop. But at the same time, and there wasn't a time of hip hop that I wasn't a part of it. Like, it wasn't really hip hop before we started doing the things we do, as opposed to the rappers. And Rappers Delight was rap music, you know? Hip hop was when we got in there and started doing all kind of crazy shit, you know? And then you got different, you got De La Soul, and then you got Diggable Planets, you got jazz rap groups, you got hard gangster rap hip hop. You got, we cover so many spectrum in our, they got hip hop in this little pigeonhole. But dude, we got more music in there than all the other musical genres, man. I mean, it's, it's the, cool. It's the biggest genre there is right now. And but, it's got so many sub-genres. That's the thing. Yes, yes. Everything. I mean, right now we got country trap because country music's really trying to give homage now because they're realizing they, they've been stealing the whole time. But I don't want to get into that. I do want to bring up one key point. Breaking is a lot of the reasons why we have hip hop rappers, we have rappers, period, because they couldn't hit those dance moves. So they was like, what else can I do to be a part of this movie in their mind? And you know, that's where, cause I got the story from Mellow Man Ace and, and you know, back in the day, Mellow Man Ace was like, I got uh, uh, Be Real as my B-boy, I got Sin Dog as my hype man. And you watch Arsenio Hall and you see it. And they're really, you know, they really break dancing. And Mellow Man was like, I can't break dance. Yeah. So he, I can't break dance. Ice T tried. <laughs> he could break dance a little bit. Mellow Man was like, me, I can't break dance. But I could DJ. I can't rap. But you know, the importance here is that that movie inspires so many other people to awaken up that same blue, that bug that's in you that's across so many, many, many others. So when you say you are hip hop, you 1000%. And <laughs> Thank you. I really respect that because, you know, listen to the interviews you can go breaking is is the pioneer move that made everyone like man that's something i can do yeah i like how you put that too it gave people a place to put themselves in a the movie because if you look at the film you got a dj one dj you got a rapper one rapper you got some dancers oh it's a lot of dancers in the crowd you got some other people doing shit you can place i want to be that dj i want to be that dancer i want to be the star dancer i want to be the guy in the back spinning on his head that nobody don't see until 30 years later you know those people are, they aspire to be that bro that obscure thing in the corner you see that over there and you never noticed it and you go yeah that's me there's people that live for that real talk real talk like me, I always tell people, man, they always say, why you never, you know, Dre, Dre, Dre. I was like, man, did you ever see Star Trek? Right. They never want to be Captain Kirk. I wanted to be Spock. He was taller, had more bitches, could give you the Vulcan death grip, could beat everybody's ass, and he was half Vulcan. He was smarter than everybody. I'm cool with him. <laughs> My man. 
I hear you, brother. I hear you. So, brother, so I was always Dre's Spock. You know, that, that's fair. That's fair. And you know, I wasn't gonna ask this question. I'm gonna hold off because I'm you brought up Dre, so I gotta ask, what was the energy like working with Dre through NWA, Death Row, the firm? Aftermath, I mean, because, you know, you grew along. You're part of the whole wave. I mean, credits or no credits, you know, history's still there. Your eyes were not just, you know, on the walls. They were moving. The instruments of them gloves was making things happen. Man, that's funny you say that, bro. I, I was there the whole way. Like, it's some pictures that you know that are iconic. You see Dre and Snoop or Dre. I'm standing right next to them niggas and not in the picture. I'm right there. Like, if history was, like, in the universe where, okay, so you ever, I believe in alternate realities and I'm not from here. I'm in the wrong universe where I'm from. They know what I've done, and it's not. Dre's not the first hip hop billionaire. I am because I even was platinum eight years before him. So you know, I would yeah. Breaking came out. Oh, no, excuse me, five years. Breaking came out in '84. We were the first artists on the West Coast to have platinum status. Me and Ice T. Nobody else did. Not platinum. Nobody. So come on. Yeah. So Dre in '89 went platinum and discovered what that pedigree meant. Then that's when he reached out. It's like, you know some shit because you got one of these too. As a matter of fact, yours sold four times as many as mine. It wasn't me, it was the movie. But see, when you look at it, the movie is about us. Come on. The record got them songs on it, but the only one about us is Reckless. All the rest of them songs are some shit that they put in the movie. But Reckless is about us. And so that's why all the people, who, they like Jolly and Jerry song, but they'll take a cardboard and dance the reckless. Right, right. Come on. I love that, man. I, and I'm learning that now. This is new for me, bro. All the way up until 2014, I figured reckless was just a song. I didn't know how many people it affected. It was a soundtrack, four million copies, not me. I didn't never hear it on the radio in LA. It wasn't a big LA club song. I come to find out I'm way wrong. <laughs> come on, you resonated with so many. And yeah, that's a good thing to learn. Yeah, that it was just reckless. <laughs> it was. Yeah, man, but those times working with Dre, the energy that you spoke on, it started in, in the beginning, in the 80s, when I got with Dre in 89, 88, it was just crazy fun, crazy wild, we partying. And it went on, and then in the 90s, it became crazy fun and wild partying with gangsters. Um, you know, they started to shoot motherfuckers. So then in the mid-90s, we was like crazy partying and away from gangsters, because we got Aftermath now, and a white boy, you know, because we got Eminem. So the energy was consistent all the way through. It's the same, but in the achievements too. But the desires are different. Like you want one thing in the beginning, you want a hit, you want to, now you got hits. You're just making music, now you want to keep making it. Now you keep making music. Now you want another hit or something to, to be legacy. So you get that. And now, you know, it's like the things that you want in life, you can achieve them if you really set out to do them. And, and, and if you don't, you'll find that you have something else that's probably better than what you set out to get. Come on. And yeah, you know, so. People don't realize the gift is in you, and you just have to realize to get the accolades and the hardware to put on you or put on the walls that surround you that you know you cherish, that you put your money and your foundation into. Yeah, and those things on the wall, those medals, man, those are just reminders of shit you did. Like, you know, I tell my wife sometimes, you know, 
everybody ain't rich. Like I, you know, I ain't a millionaire, like, you know, billionaire friends of mine and stuff. I'm okay and stuff and all that, I'm, you know, but you know, sometimes you reach in your pocket and it's not as much as you want to pull out. But the funny thing is you look back and you look at what you've done and you go, you know what? I might have $10. But I did some big shit. <laughs> I may not have the 20 bucks, but I did some big shit. <laughs> and nobody else did it. And I don't see nobody doing it now. So I did something that's one of a kind. So hey, I'm I can go to sleep at night happy. See, and that's the pursuit of happiness that and you live in the American dream. And you know, the greatest thing of that is that, like Kev said, he said, you can no one could ever take that away from you. They can't take away the moments, the, the, the memories, the life is not about age, it's about experience that you're able to put on not only yourself and onto others. Yes. You know, if you can't help other people, you ain't belonging here. Nah, you're going to get left on the side to be a wink link and we talk about you later on. Yep, catch that thing and disappear. You know, that's what they're doing to folks. Man, come on, come on. <laughs> we all, that's why we like this in separate locations because of this. <laughs> So, Chris, I gotta ask you, what were some of the highs and lows, you know, to do it? Okay, so I think that, that's never been asked. So, the to me, the highs, I have some interesting, weird highs. Like, for instance, one of the biggest highs for me was when we went and performed at the Omni Arena in Atlanta, and I'm in there. I was always I was music director, right? So I was always on the stage first. Nobody was there, and I used to do little shit like. Every show I would go out there and right before they come on or or before the announcer say something in between the sets, I would hit the 808 drum machine just boom <laughs> one time just to hear it and they would scream and hear it resonating in an arena. I was like, I want to hear what this sound like in the arena. And I'll go. Fuck it. <laughs> boom. <laughs> Those were my highs, my dude. Like, like that's a high for me. Like, I'm gonna tell you, one of my biggest highs, it was two times. I actually said something. I know I made the nigga uncomfortable, but like we was at Drake's house and uh, it might've been a Super Bowl. I think it was. It was me, Chris Tucker, Dre, Eddie Murphy, and somebody else. We was all smoking a joint. And I just said, I was handing the joint to Eddie Murphy. Like, I'm getting it from Chris Tucker, pass it to Eddie Murphy. Each time I do it, I'm going, Chris Tucker, Eddie Murphy. What you call it was out. He came over because he just got this Bentley from being in Rush Hour 3. So, Rush Hour 3 is out. So, now, Chris Tucker, Rush Hour 3 is out. It's the number one movie in the world. I'm getting a joint from this guy on the right, and I'm handing it to the greatest comedian ever on the left. So I said, was I man, I said, man, I can't believe I'm smoking a joint with Eddie Murphy, Chris Tucker, Dr. Dre. And everybody laughed. And then Eddie Murphy, he's on off like a couple of tokes later. <laughs> but that was like the kind of high. I got another circle I got to tell you about. A lot of my shit is circle around weed. But, you know, we did the Chronic album. So uh, <laughs> I went to uh, Jimmy Iovine's 50th birthday party with Dr. Dre. And he had a, a tent on his Malibu. He had a, this dude is so rich. He had a place in Malibu where it's the beach, right? What's the most expensive thing to buy when you live in the sand? Grass. This dude had fucking tw about two, three acres of a lawn, bro. 
they used to play football on Sundays out there. The old, you know, sugar them with their, with their pads and shit. They would go play. So he had a tent up here and his birthday party. So we made one of these circles again. It was me, Stevie Nicks, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, Dr. Dre, smoking a joint. Wow. That's my high. That's my highest height. Huh? Just say the names again. Stevie Nicks. She was in a group called Fleetwood Mac who had the number one selling album of all time until Michael Jackson came out. Come on. Stevie Nicks. Tom Petty was her boyfriend. People didn't know that. Tom Petty and that song, they got a song. It's Tom Petty and somebody else. Another dude. I can't remember. It was either Bob John Mellencamp or somebody. But they talking about Stevie Nicks. Like, Stop Dragging My Heart Around is about Stevie Nicks. Uh. So Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks. Oh, it was Tom Petty and Jimmy Iovine. He used to go out with Stevie Nicks. That was his girlfriend. Them two was at odds. Yeah. It wasn't another. It wasn't Bruce. Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty. Jimmy Ivy, me. Jimmy didn't smoke though, and Dre. But he was in a circle. And let me tell you the kicker. Outside of his tent, Jimmy had a guy playing a solo violin of the Godfather theme all night long. So we're sitting there smoking, and all you hear is <laughs> you couldn't even make that shit up, my nigga. No, that's legendary. That's, that's like, you know what? I may have to do that every time I flush the toilet. I got the Godfather theme going. Godfather theme! <laughs> that's classic, bro. And then I'd say, like, my lows, the biggest, the one thing, the one low I feel like that I got out of everything is that it's just the missing credit, bro. That's it. That's just things like a motherfucker, bro. It still does. Not no name on Doggy Dog World. No name on Doggy Style at all. No name on one name on the Chronic for mixing, not for producing or keyboards. No credit on California Love for keyboards. You know these songs that are ingrained in society that I was on. I get no credit. That's the one downside. I mean, you know, after everything, not the money. Because if I'd have got the credit, bro, the Kanye West will be saying, Chris the Glove Taylor is the reason why I'm not Dr. Dre. It would be shit like that. Eminem will be saying, he still says it, but my name would resonate then. No, that's the guy that did the shit with Dre. Eminem said, that's why he rap. Oh, that's the guy when I see, you know, it'd be a different, this is my life and my alternate reality. I know it's there. It's just not here. It's hard to bring it here. So I'm working on it. Eventually, people like you are going to make it right. So I gotta ask this question because it's you know the spirit talking to me. What do you do to cope with the you know the reality of you know missing credit, but at the same time the cap the captured memory? Oh wow, that's like a you know what that's like. I'm gonna tell you the honest truth. That shit is like a real life deja vu. It's like was I there? Did I do it? Is this a deja vu? No way, motherfucker, that's your voice. Oh, yeah, that's right, I did that. But you know what I mean? It's like they almost got you believing that you did do it. The motherfuckers, it's a twist, bro. It's some shit when you get admitted from shit. You, I'm here, but when I'm dead, it'll be this picture. And nobody in there to tell you, hey, you know what I mean? And so then you just got to guess. And I don't, 
you know, that's why, you know, when I was telling my daughter the significance of being in the Library of Congress, I started to cry as I was telling her. I was like, somebody's going to read that and see my name a thousand years from now. It's the first name on that record. When you open that record up, it says Mixed by Christy Club Taylor and then everybody else. So that is great. The lack of credit, money ain't shit. I can make money. I wasn't supposed to be a billionaire. I would have spent the money anyway. I ain't tripping on that shit. The credit, that's something. And then the record, like, dude, having been a part of over 100 million record sales and people tell you, uh, Chris Glove claims, <laughs> or to be, hear about all these great people that came from Dre, Scott Storch and this and that, and to know that you were the guy that was there through every iteration I've been with Dre so much, people think I'm Dre. You know? I was with Dre when Scott Storch was in high school. I was with Dre, before, you know, those niggas like Laylaw and Hutch from Above the Law. Hutch is one. Hutch is like a person who should be more known because he was real instrumental in the sound being formed how it is. Like, in his thing and what he did, but we did our thing, but we all did a thing. Our our, our homie gets the biggest credit. He did got the greatest accolades for sure. Worked with a lot of us, but you know, that don't mean we wasn't there. He ain't gotta go tell everybody. It ain't up to him. It's the other motherfuckers that's the only son. It's I'm mad at the people that the other people in this business that are saying Dre instead of saying who else with Dre? You see, it ain't Dre. It's no, not enough people like you and your partner off camera. We need those people so that people that care like you can hear this. You know, it's important. It took me to go to college to learn that there's more history that's not in the high school and elementary school books than there is in real life. And so it's important that, you know, as a journalist, we capture these moments and then also, you know, put the real the real testament and the testimony of your stories. Because it's like, you know, anybody that hears this that was in the room, that's just undeniable. Yeah. With the same resonating feeling that I'm getting just hearing the story. And I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's deep, too, because like this is what they do. What you just said is important for historical purposes. That's what they do with the Bible. What they do is they'll take the story in the Bible and they'll find a concurrent source of news like they use uh one writer in particular he was a like a journalist dude he was writing letters during the time and they find stuff in his letters that are they actually coincide with things in certain gospels so they can verify it based upon the truth being told in the reporting as opposed to the tale and the story whether you want to believe it's truth or not there's verification there and so we need like i say more people like you so people can look outside of that book they can go outside of uh straight out of compton the movie there was no crispy glove in that movie but there's no straight out of compton made without crispy glove even though i'm not nwa and i'm not them and it's their movie but there were significant moments in that movie where I was right there or I was the guy talking, saying the things in the movie. Like, if you, he put out another, now Dre is very, very, very special person. He puts things in movies so that you, well, for me, he sent me messages. He wanted to talk to me, but he can't call me. So he put a little Easter egg in uh, uh, the Defiant ones. I, I got a clip in there so small, if you blink, you never know I was in it. And so many people called me because of that clip. 
I got like a hundred thousand phone calls because of that. And it was like, yo. So I called Drake because of that. And I asked him, why did you do that? Like all this shit you've been putting out, you put me in there for a split second. They're not even talking about me. He was like, because I needed to talk to you. Wow. You know, and I knew that's what that was. I said, that's what I thought. Like, I got the message. Like, you know how you send your boy a message and they get it? Like, you do a text and they got it. You could look at a nigga, like, your boy with you, you could go like this and you go, mm. you know, they got it. That's what we did. We got it. So, I was like, okay. You know, but just, just that, you know, and, and really there's no such thing as regret in my life because the fact that I didn't get the credit helped me in the characteristics of the person that I'm now. Let me Whether it's, you. yeah. Is it beautiful or is it more uh, hard to look at, you know, what you have to reflect on? Because, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to face the man in the mirror and the smoky, the smoky mirror sometimes. And when the smoke settles, you know, is, is it the path that you've created the way that you wanted it to go the whole time? That's a good question. Actually, the path is what I wanted. It's just my position on the path is a shadowy figure. I need to be more solid and seen for my position on the path. I feel like people are looking past me and they don't see me. Mm. I feel like I'm in the place and I'm supposed to be there, but it's like a ghost. It's like a, I'm there. Like I told you, I'm standing next to Dre in these pictures. You just can't see me. Because the pictures, like whatever's to the left of you after that wall or that pair, there's another picture on that wall up there next to that one. Like you got Bob Marley and another picture and then there's something cut off. I bet there's a picture up there. That's Christy Glove through death row through MTV through all those years through G thing like people saw gin and juice but didn't know that was done in my house you know they don't know that they know gin and juice they know the video they know when they run out that house they don't know that's the house I go to the front door to every day it's my house you know it's cool though everybody don't need to know but some people need to know that's, that's one of the reasons why we reached out to you, man, because, you know, we feel when we talk to cats such as yourself, there's a, there's always two parts of the story that the mainstream doesn't tell, especially when it comes down to this hip hop, because it's 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 more than a black and gray, a black and white area. There's that gray middle that people do not hear about. And these man, need to hear about, you know. You know, Such I, rare. I like to think of like back in the day, a few years ago, how YouTube, however you worked your deal with YouTube, you got paid more than others. And so, you know, the whole game of being online was a whole new thing that no one had to control. No one knew how to balance. And so, yep. you know, spin and tell to it on, you know, how it's going. And, you know, the reality is that's the reflection of been hip hop from the beginning because you have all these different people that have some say so. And, you know, they have they're putting their spin to it. And so mm -hmm. the error that we're capturing is so important because from a real history, we're not talking about what fell out the books and the pages that got ripped out, but was still used. And right. I'm not trying to knock nobody because you know that's still their history. They still got. Yeah, that's their history, though. It's, it's but it's important. Man, you get to people that. try to tell me that. I didn't hear you. I said, no, it's just, I want to make sure we always get into the elements of those histories 
Because as much as we talk about the, the next people, the next people, I mean, you've worked with them, you've done all these things, but we got to make sure we talk about the person we're talking to now, because mm. that is the monumental moment. Because, you know, it takes a lot for someone to be in a shadow and come out and talk over the shadow. Man, and there are some things when you come out of the shadow like me, there's always things you leave in the shadow. You don't tell all of it. You tell some of it, but you know, you were in the shadow. So you were meant to be there probably because you're the one that can keep your motherfucking mouth shut. Somebody else would have been telling it. And there's, you know, when to tell. Like I learned that thing too, fucking with Dre. You know, when to open your mouth and when not to. Like to a point where, you know, I'm not putting my foot in my motherfucking mouth with these people around. Ain't no way. <laughs> <laughs> nope. They gonna ask me something and I'll be like, you talking to me? <laughs> I'm not gonna be the foot in the mouth, dude. I remember one time I was sitting in a meeting with Jimmy and Dre and Jimmy was trying to get on Dre's ass and he was saying, we had just got Aftermath and we hadn't put out any records yet and he was wanting them to, we're about to do the firm and he was like, Glove, you gotta help me. You gotta tell Dre. He's got to release three records a year if you want to be successful, man. What? Tell him. He slapped me on the knee. I'm sitting next to Dre. I'm like, man, you tell him, man. I'm shit, bro. I'm not telling him shit. <laughs> I'm sitting next to Dre. I ain't telling him that. <laughs> <laughs> Dre laughed like a motherfucker. Like, Jimmy, you need to just, you know, you tell him. You telling him good. You could. You... I know my position. It ain't to tell Dre shit. <laughs> Gotta help me out, Glove. No, I don't. That's a good way for me to get put out. <laughs> hey, Dre, you need to release the record. Hey, Glove, you need to. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's the door, Glove, right there. You can use that glove and twist the door knob. Come on. Go out there and tell them they need to release some records. Go tell Shook that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, you know, I, I, I learned, you know, how to play my position as well. It wasn't just being in a position. And I still occupy my position. No one has taken that. I noticed whenever I go with Dre and hang and go in the studio, there's my chair. I sit in it right at the front. Nobody argues. Nobody says, get up, old man. They like, like you, it's honor and respect. I don't mean to be that way. I just sit my ass down. Oh, shit, I'm at the board. Oh, I'm next to Dre. Oh, I'm going to turn this knob right here, bro. I know I could touch this. I, I'll, and this is what I do with Dre. Like, I'll do this. Like, is it cool? <laughs> like, It'd be like, man, better turn that knob. You hear something. Or what's great is working with Dre. Like now, you know, Dre uh, just finished mixing Kanye West's new album, right? So I'm in there on these mixes, and I hear things, right? Spock is over there going in his mind, man, I need to fix this. And then he'll do what I'm thinking. So what happens is, like, I'm sure we hear it at the same time. So he'll fix it, and I laugh. And he'll go, you heard that. It's like funny, we like two sides of a coin, like he'll do something and I'll make a subtle anything, so subtle. I'll move my finger. The nigga be like, yeah, dog. You know what I mean? That's the connection, bro. We're connected with that music shit it, on long distance. He'll send me shit in text, he'll text me music, what you think? Or I'll just tell him what I think because I'm not scared to tell him what I think. Everybody else is like, it's dope. I'll be like, yeah, it's dope. Or not though. Because we're talking about it and we all know the history of Dre and, and him holding records. Are you a part of that whole holding hostage a record side? Or are you a part of the side that'd be like, come on, bro, you gotta drop that shit. 
you gotta drop that shit. So you know, whenever you do something in confidence or plan on something like that, you have to have cohorts. Others who will do the same thing in silence. They will not say, like you're gonna ask them and they'll go. So let me tell you about that holding record thing. When I first was with Trey, remember I told you Jimmy was like, Glove, you gotta help me. You need to release three records a year. I'm sitting there going, nigga, you need to release six records a year in my head, right? But in my mouth, I'm like, I ain't telling him shit. That's not my place. And in my mind, I'm like, this nigga know what he's doing. I'm going to just roll with his program. I want to put a record out every day. But I'm going to just hold my water, put, grab my nuts, try to make my voice deep. Because I really feel like this. Let's <laughs> go, dog. And I'm a record holder. So I'm going to just tell you. I just released a record. It's called Dim Women Hot. It's a, uh, got a roster rapper on it. If I told you when I made that record, you wouldn't believe it. Hmm. I'm, I can't tell you because it's part of the element of the record, but let me put it like this. I've dropped that record, everybody on me like, yo, 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 it's tight as this, and I'm loving it too, because I just was like, hey, I, I forgot I did this, and this is kind of hot. And ain't nobody out here, ain't no, see, when I made that, well, let me put it to you like this. When I made that record, Shabba Ranks was popular. Uh, okay. And then after him, when I wanted to put it out, Shaggy got popular. And then after Shaggy, somebody else been like three big roster dudes. I had to wait them out, bro. I made that record in 1998. No, 1999. Still. Then Women Hot, wow. 1999. And it was still timeless. Come on. Dude, the funny thing is, I sent it to Dre. I got so hyped. Cats was loving it so much. I'm shy. I want to know what the master, I'm like, what does this nigga think? His homeboy, one of the tight producers over there, my shout out to my boys, focusing uh, Fred Reck and Dem Joints. Dem Joints was like, yo, this is hot. And I knew if Dem Joints was on that, he was going to tell Dre. So I had to send it to Dre. See, I play chess. So I play Chinese chess though. See, most people play human, regular American chess, three moves ahead. Chinese chess, seven moves ahead. You lose if you don't play seven moves ahead. That's why Them Women Hide is perfect to release in 2020 when you made it in 1999. Oh, I need to release that shit. It's in a vault. It's, it's so yes, I locked down. We, we believe this. Guess what? I've been playing that record in my car since 1999. <laughs> what we do with music is we, they're like masterpieces hanging on a wall. You can only hear it if you come into my home. I'll play this for you. And I'm playing shit like that. I mean, Dre got songs, dude. We got songs, bro. Did we listen to? We play them and people come to the house. It's like having a Picasso. See, I believe in the masterpiece theory. It's like I got masterpieces. I don't got unreleased records. You would love this record if you could hear it. So I'm all about holding and hoarding to answer your question. Because when you release timely, you get classics. Yeah, everybody throwing their shit out on, on SoundCloud. Why don't you hold on to one of them and wait and see? Oh, it's a love time. Maybe I'll put this love song out. Not in the summer. Maybe I'll put out this cup and season song around September. 
instead of and let it build up so by the time cuffing season hits in April, my shit is known. As opposed to coming out during cuffing season with a cuffing season record. It's too late. Season's over. Season behind. Four months behind. Man. If you and then another thing, like I tell you in part what's your, what's my man's name on the outside? How you doing? I'm Kev King, bro. I'm the one who reached out to you. I'm the producer of the show. There you go, Kev King. Man, Kev, good man. Thank you for reaching out to me. Oh no god, I met you, it was maybe a couple of years back. I think it was at uh the roll-up sesh. A roll-up sesh. Oh, okay, at the roll-up show. So, yeah. yeah, right on, man. I wanted to say to you guys, just realize you you're on the air, you you're you're on television, you're in the big time. So be in the big time. Don't think about it later. Like I wonder if that this is the big time. You interviewing me, you're big time. So you in the big time. Enjoy it like it's the big time. Don't be like, oh, when we get. You gonna always when we. But what about right now? We talking. So right now, you the shit. I appreciate you. Man. Hey, you the shit too, man. Man, I appreciate it. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, but you know, I really appreciate that. Well, I mean, you you got a chance. You have the opportunity and the privilege to see this, this genre of uh, hip-hop go through many transitions from beginning to what it is right now. And, you know, and still be in this business, which a lot of oh, people... Yeah. Say. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, man, I got a, somebody sent me some money the other day. For, dude, all I've ever done for, I, I've been doing music all my life. I had a job for a while. Like, I went and worked someplace for like six years after, you know, when you got to work later, like 2011, I think I got a job. But I since quit that shit. I can't, you can't make music with a job, bro. Not groundbreaking, earth changing music that people want to pay you for. You got to commit all in to make that shit. If you got a job, they're not going to buy your shit. Hell, you don't even buy it. You ain't quit your job to make it. So, yeah, you got to. If you don't jump in the pool, both feet, bro, you just waiting. Yep. Unless that was your objective. Then you succeeded. <laughs> I got a nigga, all he wants to do is make you laugh, bro. He'll fall down and hit his head just for you to laugh. That's the objective. That ain't us, though. Hey, OG, man, I ain't gonna lie to you. I been, I had to get the history, and the history outweighs the rest of my show, so I didn't even dig into my segments because, you know, what you was laying the foundation on, all I can do is help build it in and put the sunlight on it so that when it sets, it just glows in the dark. I like that. Yeah, man, keep that coming, bro. Cats like you, man. Young, what are you, 35, you said? I'm 32. I'm 32? Take that hair off your face. I can't see you, young motherfucker. Look at that shit. 32, bro, asking me questions. Dude, that's an honor, bro. And you're college educated. A lot of people don't understand that going, what we learn, what we learn in school is to learn about school. That's just an experiment of being together as a public group. You want to learn about knowledge, then you got to go to secondary. You got to go pursue that. Yeah, I'm gonna be You're forced to go to school, but if you want to learn something, you got your own, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't practice. No, nah, me neither, but you went. Oh, yeah, I went. I, I 
learned how to be more busy than I was supposed to be for school. And shit, I learned how to do a whole bunch of other things I wasn't able to do in my own neighborhood. I didn't know about pills and they're worth more money than other things. Hey, <laughs> real talk though. I, I learned some money and, and worked with some bigger people. And you know, I fell out of school, but fell in love with some other things. And I got introduced to music. I, I was a kid actor as a youngster and so. You know, cool. That's what school did, but that's what it was for. It taught you something. Oh yeah, the streets taught me to rest. I ain't gonna lie. Well, but no, you went to school and learned that that ain't it. It took me a long time, OG. I ain't gonna lie to you. It took me getting married and having kids to sit my ass down and really. Oh yeah, bro, you ain't done yet. You about to learn a lot more shit. Yeah. You thirty two. Wait till you're 42. You're going to be like, man, them 10 years ago, I thought I knew some shit. Brother, I just turned 43. Thank you. Speak to the youngster. And you too, 42. I'm 57. Right, 42. Sit your young ass back down. Yeah, no, I love y'all, man. Y'all are what we do this for, man. That's real talk. Man, that shit was so much fun to do that. Like, I'll tell you, man, all bullshit aside, if a motherfucker told me right now, took me back there, I'm 19, and told me all the shit I was going to do, but I wasn't going to get no money for it, I think I'd still be all in. I think I'd have been like, you know what? Well, how much is no money? Because <laughs> it ain't I, Okay, so Just I, I, I guess Just so y'all Let me see here Does this thing turn around? Just for Just so you know You know No money ain't you know, No money You know No money ain't No money It's just you know, it's it's just a little tough, but it ain't no money for my people out there that think I'm just destitute. It ain't like that. Hey, if you don't know, if you never yeah. played, a backyard is a rare, rare thing to have. Oh, oh yeah, man. But this is what's cool about here. I like the fact that like I have my mom's garden over here, right? I got a putting green here. And then on this side, we got the long yard, which is cool. So it just keeps it, you know, it keeps you humble because this is a, a thing that's done within a family. So it takes, it lets you know that it takes numbers to do shit like this. You know what I'm saying? golf game, bro. Right. See, you, you hear me, right? So I don't want people to think that I worked with Dr. Dre and I just ended up with nothing. But you know, Kevin, trying to visit you in the uh, the Glove Nation. Now, hi, y'all need to come on out when we get off this uh, quarantine. We can jump in the pool. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna... How about that? We're here in person. Yeah, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Can't... I'm about to try to find a blunt though. Let me go get a blunt. I just walked outside. May as well go get one of them. Take my wife out there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
Yes, sir. Uh, I'm about to wrap up. It's, it's Contrast Uncut, season three, episode 11. Big shout out to Uncle Snoop Army and Bobby Deepers. Wouldn't be able to have the ability to interview, you know, legendary pioneers of this hip hop society. Like like DJ Chris the Glove as he's showing off the tables. Cause you know, without them vinyls, without, you know, just DJ Radio Tron in 1983 putting his mark so when it came out in 84 and then you know reckless and, and it just continues and continues man we keep it pressing i appreciate you brother thank you man for having me what's up y'all this is chris the glove and i want to give a shout out to contrast uncut and bobby d presents uncle snoop's army hey we get here come on come on <laughs> all right now I know you guys can't smell this right now, and I ain't talking about none of that other stuff. I'm talking about some of that good stuff, that smell good stuff. I think it's breakfast. What time is it? It's breakfast time. Make sure you tune in to Contrast Uncut no matter what you're doing. Whether you're eating breakfast, you're smelling good food like I'm smelling, or if you're smelling other stuff, we're good to watch too. Make sure you tune in.